Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is God's word. Thank you, um, Lara, for reading that wonderful passage for us tonight as we uh, look at and continue to study the book of the Epistle of 1 John. So uh, before we look at this word, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that You've given us your word. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to understand it. Pray, Lord, that your spirit will work through me tonight, that you forgive me my sins and help me to faithfully proclaim this word, which is a great honor and privilege. And we ask your rich blessing upon all gathered here and wherever the word of God is preached. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, What if I told you tonight that I have five tickets available for the World Cup Soccer Finals in Brazil for $10 each? I mean, did you watch the match this morning? The penalty shootout that now people don't want, not interested in the Dutch, of course. uh, (laughs) You are? Okay, well, there you go. I see two hands going up here, right? Certainly my wife was very excited about it this morning. So, well, what if I told you I got five tickets to Brazil, 10 bucks? And would you be interested? And then what if I said I have five return airline tickets to Brazil for 100 bucks each. So you can get to the finals. The total cost is $110. Business class flying up and down to Brazil. Soccer finals. Not a bad deal at all. Come and see me after the service. All right. Uh, do you believe me? Why not? Okay. Oh, being duped. Okay, so should you just believe what I've just said? I mean, some of you might be wondering, oh, Chris, can I trust you? Well, others think that I'm really duping you. Well, I'm sure you would say to me, Chris, that does not seem really right. How do we know that you are really saying the truth here? Prove it to us. Show us the tickets. Show us the airline tickets. The fact is, friends... Sorry to disappoint you tonight. Very sorry about that. I just don't have any tickets for the soccer finals. Nothing at all. I don't have any cheap return airline tickets either to Brazil because if I had five tickets, I'm sure I'd take on the whole family and go on myself. <laughs> right. So, the question then for us tonight is, should we just believe anything that's been said in this world? Would you like to test the accuracy of what has been said. And tonight, we will address this question, should we just believe anything? And this is based on the text that was read tonight from 1 John, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. 
where the Apostle John addresses, I believe, a very important issue with his readers. And he wants them to examine and test the spirits rather than just believe in anything. I think it is a very crucial passage here in 1 John uh, in this whole epistle. It, uh, it deals with the question about Jesus Christ himself. And as we have been studying the epistle of 1 John in our evening services, John in his teaching distinguishes, particularly in chapter 3, between the righteous and, sorry, between righteousness and sin, love and hate, faith and doubt, children of God and children of Satan. This massive divide that we see here. And John basically makes that distinction. And so today in our passage, in, in, John, in 1 John chapter 4, 1 to 6, he distinguishes between truth and error. It's quite an interesting way in which John has put this letter together. Uh, bringing both positions and saying, well, you've got to make up your mind and see where you stand in relation to righteousness and sin, to love and hate, faith and doubt, children of God and children of Satan, truth and error. Where do you stand? Now, how should we know what is true and false in this world? How are we to know if a person is saying or preaching the right things about God? You see, God is many things to many people. And so one could argue that it really does not matter what you believe. Simply, you just need to put your trust in this God. Whoever this God is, this supreme being, uh, perhaps this, this, this being, this other person that we can't even get to know. And so it's a massive challenge. How do we tell the difference? And so John addresses this issue and he says, well, I want you, my readers, to think about this person, Jesus Christ, and know what is true and what is false. So tonight we're going to look at this passage, we're going to look at the warning that John, in fact, gives us. And then we're going to see the test, and then we're going to see also the confidence that John gives to believers. So we have this warning here. If you look in your Bibles, for example, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, which is, I believe, the, the, the context here of what is happening, he says this, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now, what's that? What's that all about? Well, God has given us his Spirit. Is that clear? If you are a Christian here tonight then God has given his spirit to every believer. To everyone who believes in his son Jesus, we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit brings about the new birth when we believe in Jesus Christ. So we are baptized in the Spirit, we are confirmed in the Spirit, we are sealed in the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So if you are a Christian, then tonight you have the Spirit of God in you. What a tremendous blessing is that. To know that God indwells our hearts through his Holy Spirit. He indwells the children of God. But then John also says, there are other spirits who are active in this world. And these spirits are of the devil and lives in the false prophets. And therefore, John begins this, uh, this section here by giving a warning. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but 
test the spirits. You have your Bibles open, right? To Epistle uh, 1 John chapter 4, right? But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so John is using a very tender uh, word to address his hearers. He says, dear ones, my beloved ones, uh, my precious ones. It's like you're writing to... Uh, uh, for us parents, perhaps you write into kids, you say, my beloved, my, my, my precious ones. But if you write into your wife, I suppose you might say, beloved or honey or whatever. But John is writing and he's saying, my beloved people, because you are precious to me. I want you to think about what is going on here. You are from God. You are the children of God. Therefore, just don't believe anything but test the spirits. And so the question is, what spirits are we to test? According to John, we are to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. And John wants them and us as well to ask the hard questions. Who, who or what spirit is the moving force behind those who claim to speak for God? Who or what spirit uh, is the is the is the moving force. So is this spirit or is this the spirit of God or is this another spirit? Now, friends, tonight you might say, "How we can't see spirits? Can you have you ever seen a spirit? You really can't see spirits, right? Uh, we are not able to see a spirit, but we can hear and understand what the teachings of the spirits are, and we hear they are teachers. And it seems then that John's readers were willing to accept all teaching about Jesus as inspired as if from the Spirit. But John is saying, do not believe these spirits because these spirits are in fact false teachers. And John addresses this serious matter with them because what is at stake is their salvation and ours. We'll see that in a moment. He does not want them to be gullible. N.C. says, beloved do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. The spirits, then, are the false prophets. Now, friends, prophets and apostles, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, for example, we read this, Paul writing to the Ephesian church. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of whom? The, the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So this is the building, this is the church. It's built on the apostles, it's built on the, the teaching of the apostles, it's built on this foundation and of the prophets, that is the prophets who are preached in the Old Testament. And it is built on this foundation and the cornerstone of the foundation is Jesus. So the point is this, the canon of scripture is now, is it closed? <laughs> is the Bible a, a, a completed book? Right? Yes, it is. Right? That is the fact. The canon of scripture is closed. And so we don't need extra revelation. God has spoken already, has he not? In his providence, God has provided us with all the special revelation he intended for his church to have in the Bible. And so we have, in, in the Bible, we hear his voice in the 39 books of the Old Testament. And how many books in the New Testament? Come on. 20, 
27. All right? So we have 66 books, 39, 27. And, and we receive them, we receive these books, this, this one book, as inspired and sufficient for our faith and our practice. So we don't need an extra revelation for somebody to come in and say, well, you need to add this or maybe subtract that from the word of God. So the warning is to test the spirits. Why? Because many false prophets have gone into the world. And these prophets, these false prophets are out there in the world speaking falsely. Now let's look at the test that John gives us. Have a look in your Bibles uh, at verses 2 and 3, uh, 1 John chapter 4. John goes on to contrast these spirits, the two spirits that we have. He gives us a formula to test whether a spirit comes from God or not. What we see here is that a very clear, precise thing that we have here. Every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Did you see that? You see, and, and, and the particular denial that is in view here is not just the denial that Jesus is the Messiah, but it is going deeper than that. And that's why I said this, it is a serious matter that John is addressing here. It is going into the very heart of the incarnation of Jesus. It's a deep text here. That is, this is to deny the miracle of the incarnation. It is to deny that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary without sin. You see, his birth was a miracle, right? The entire birth of Jesus was an amazing miracle. Very soon, uh, well, I visited some family the other day and they had a little Christmas tree out there on their table. And we looked at it and said, what's going on? It's uh, not Christmas yet. Said, oh, it's Christmas in July. Have you had, it's Christmas in July. Did you celebrate Christmas in July? Anyone here? Probably not, right? <laughs> but they've already got into the spirit of Christmas. It's Christmas in July. So it's all this Christmas tree. It's all lighted up on, the, on, on their beautiful table. So Christmas in July. Well, anyway, I'll come back to the text. <laughs> uh, the point is this. Um, it, it's, it's a miracle, right? Does this mean that Jesus... My question here tonight... Does this mean that Jesus did not exist before he came to be born as a sinless baby? Does it mean he didn't exist? Well, listen to what he is... Uh, oh, have I got that right? Okay. Uh, in John chapter 8. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are, yet, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you... And, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Yes, the story. You see, Jesus met these Jews, and, and they were having this massive debate with him. And Jesus said to them, Look, before Abraham was, I am. And they said, Well, you're not even 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? That's the point, isn't it? Because... He was not created at the point of his birth. He already was pre-existent. Right? As the second person in the Trinity. You see, they could not bear to hear what he said before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus, dear friends, is both God and man. Uh, let me give you uh, the, the German uh, theologian, Zacharias. Uh, Usinus, I think that's how you pronounce his name. 
was, uh, was asked this question if the two natures of Jesus were separated from each other. And this is what he said. Certainly not. For since the divinity is not limited and is present everywhere, it is evident that Christ's divinity is surely beyond the bounds of the humanity he has taken on. But at the same time, his divinity is in and remains personally united to his humanity. It's in the Heidelberg uh, Catechism question and answer 48. And there was a council actually in 451 AD where the church convened the great council which is called the Council of Chalcedon. And it was one of the most important ecumenical councils. And this council was called to combat several heresies and the most significant of which was what is called, I pronounce this properly, the monophysite heresy. Let me explain that in a moment. This word monophysite comes from two words. Mono meaning one and physis meaning nature. And so this monophysite heresy simply was a debate about one nature. And what happened was that the monophysites claimed that Jesus did not have two natures. Think about this for a moment, okay? That one nature was neither completely divine nor completely human. And it was depending on how one looked at it, a deified human nature or a humanized divine nature. And this heresy, this was a massive heresy, and it was serious for two reasons. One, it denied on the one hand the full deity of Jesus. That is, they said, Jesus is not fully God. And on the other hand, it denied his real humanity. That is, he was really not fully human. He was a kind of a deified body. He had this, this, this godly body and his human nature was really not this human nature. <laughs> Can you see the problem? And against this heresy, the Council of Chalcedon declared this. Now, I'm not going into all the Latin there, but you can see that. <laughs> Christ was, you leave the Latin out, okay, for a moment. Truly man and truly God. You try to pronounce that. Right? Having two natures in one person. So how are we to understand the union of a human nature and a divine nature? The Bible says that in the incarnation, the second person of the Trinity took upon himself a human nature. However, when he took upon himself the flesh that is his human nature he did not make it this, this deified human nature that human nature remained human Jesus got tired right he slept he showed his emotions he wept uh, he, he ate food he moved with people there were tears uh, people could, could touch him he had a body he was a human he had this humanness that you and I have ourselves, except for the fact that he was without without sin. Right. But he had this body, so he became tired. He was, he, 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 he was fully human. And at the same time, he was also a full, uh, a full, full man in, in that sense. Right. So the Council of Chalcedon, in dealing with the mystery of the Incarnation... 
The, the, it, and, and affirming Jesus' two natures said that his two natures are perfectly united in such a way that they are not confused, they are not mixed, they are not divided, or they are not separated. This is the point. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the most important test of all is to examine what the teachers or preachers believe about Jesus. Do they affirm that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully Man. So when the JWs, for example, come and visit you, have you had any knocks on your doors? <laughs> and they say, and they start talking, the Mormons and everyone else, oh, we are Christians, and we have this Bible in their hands, and they look, they look Christian from the outside. <laughs> and then you get talking to them, and you ask the tough questions, and ask them, well, is Jesus God? Oh, uh, yeah, well, he's not for them. <laughs> You see how important this is. And this is what John is addressing here. (laughs) See, Jesus is God in the flesh. This is a profound and amazing mystery. And certainly too hard for our fallen minds to comprehend. In fact, one commentator puts it this way. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh summarizes the entire gospel. And the issue here was particularly relevant for John's day because of the false teachers at the time when John was writing this letter were denying that God's son became flesh. They told the people that Jesus was a great man who was vested with God's spirit, but he was not really God. And John wants his readers and he wants us to be absolutely clear of who Jesus Christ is. You think about it. What an awesome and an amazing person Christ is. That he left the splendor of heaven. He gave himself, he emptied himself to call a human flesh. Very God, very man. And they went to the cross. To do anything less means our redemption is at stake. Our faith is in vain. That's why this is so important. (laughs) And John is addressing this. John in his gospel makes the point very clearly about this when he wrote the gospel of John. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father full of what is it? Grace and truth. See this is the wonder and the miracle of the incarnation. So every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard, verse 3. You heard from, was coming and now is in the world already. So every spirit that denies the truth about who Jesus is, is certainly not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. These are the false prophets or teachers. They deny the incarnation and we ought not to be surprised, friends, of this kind of teaching that has crept into the church. And today we speak about what we call liberal Theology. Uh, John was speaking about it sometime uh, a few weeks ago. Where people, uh, are so-called preachers, they will be all dressed up with uh, everything and, and, <laughs> and saying nice things for people, but not talking about the word of God. <laughs> right. You see what a danger that is? That false teachers? Yeah, one of the greatest quests of liberal theology has been to invent a Jesus... Right? 
to invent a Jesus who is stripped of all his supernatural power, deity, miracles and authority. To strip him of all of that. Uh, one of the great, some of the proponents of this, I'll give you a couple of names, don't worry about. One is Albert Schweitzer. The other guy is a, a guy by the name of Rudolf Bultmann. Now, Rudolf Bultmann is, is considered one of the most, one of the most influential New Testament scholars. New Testament scholars in the, New Test, in, in, in the 20th century. And this is what this guy said. Bultmann argued that the New Testament presents a mythological worldview that modern men and women simply cannot accept as real. So, for example, the virgin birth is simply a part of this mythological structure. And Bultmann argued from his program of demythologization, I hope they got that pronunciation right, in order to construct a faith liberated from miracles and all references to the supernatural. So any miracles about Jesus, he would take it out. He would take anything about the virgin birth out of that equation. And therefore Jesus was reduced to an enlightened teacher and a good role model. Have you heard that? Jesus is a good teacher. He was a good man. He lived a good life. He was an example. Is that all? Is that all that is to Jesus? I mean, that is true. He was a good man. He lived a good life. Uh, he cared for people, but is that all? He was a great teacher. When, when he spoke, people gathered and they listened to him. Thousands. Unlike when us guys get up there, me anyway. Right? They're probably thinking, what time is Christmas going to finish? Right? You see what I'm saying? He attracted people. And, and that's the way Jesus did it. But, but, but he is more than that. And there are also current people who hold liberal views. The retired Bishop Spong, for example, and the German New Testament scholar Gerd Ludmann, he, he said this, he denies biblical truth is not limited just to the virgin birth, but to everything that is, that is uh, spiritual about Jesus. This is what one guy said, this is uh, Ludemann, he said this, the tomb was full and the manger empty. <laughs> Think about that, the tomb was full. And the manger was empty. That is, Jesus didn't rise. And the, and the manger was just empty. It means nothing. And these are the guys who are out there preaching and teaching. And, and John is saying, friends, when you hear these things, <laughs> you test the spirits. So when you go, and uh, when you visit... Wherever you're going. And a preacher gets up there and he's all fancy and he's got everything going and he's looking priestly and everything. <laughs> and he's not preaching the word. Then alarm bells should start ringing in your heart and in your mind. <laughs> Say, hey, 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 what's going on here? <laughs> what kind of Jesus are you speaking of? What kind of Jesus are you sharing with us? What kind of Jesus are you talking about? What kind of word of God are you sharing with God's people? Are you actually giving some beautiful, nice stories about what happened during the week and interpreting the scriptures completely out of its own context and its redemptive historical perspective? Then you need to ask the hard questions. I need to ask the hard questions. You need to ask the hard questions when 
when we are up here preaching as well. <laughs> are these guys really preaching the word of God? Because John, John says this, who is the liar about the Antichrist? You see, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. See, the false teachers were so, was, were some of the many Antichrists that will come. And that's what we see here. The Antichristian spirit expresses itself in an aggressive way even today. Is it not the case? Have you been following what's been happening with uh, the whole debate about teaching uh, Christian education? Have you been following about chaplains? Have you been following about legislations that's going to be introduced, perhaps, about all of these things? Have you heard of what's happening in the so-called Western world? Ian was speaking about that this morning, where there is so much pressure uh, legislative pressure, not, not just physical persecution that's happening in other parts of the world. I, I received uh, three or four emails this, this past week. Uh, I just had to stop there. Um, it just, just moved me so much to hear about the suffering of some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, in particular, particularly Iraq at the moment. The massive persecution that is going on. Uh, the anti-Christian spirit. Now, this would take the form of persecution, legislation against Christian principles, whatever it is. And now John moves on and says, I want to give you confidence that to know where you stand. And that's what we see in verses 4 to 6. Little children, you are from, your Bible's open, you are from God. And have overcome them. And this is important, friends. Look at verse 4. For he who is, what is it? Anyone? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? You see? This is it. This is what John is saying. I want to give you confidence. I want to give you the confidence to know dear children. Right? That, that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You say they, again, is making this, this distinction. This is John's style. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God Again, this, this distinction does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Do you see the distinctions again? The world, not of the world. Those who listen to us and those who don't listen to us. Again, spirit of truth, spirit of error. Those who, who, who listen to, to us are from God. Those who don't are not. So, what are we to make of this? John is saying that Christians have already overcome the false spirits how? By confessing who Jesus is because they are from God. And because they are from God, they are victorious. They have overcome them because now the Spirit lives in them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. You see the false teachers, friends, uh, they will say nice things. For example, they will say, well, don't worry about sin. Our sin 
That's archaic. That's old-fashioned. So they'll dress the word sin with pop psychology. Or they might say, well, don't worry about the wrath of God. (laughs) Because, really, it's not really a matter. Uh, Don't worry about eternity. So we won't touch on the topic of hell. Because, one, it is politically not the right thing to speak about hell. Secondly, it's not a topic that you would want to hear anyway. But if you look at the scriptures, Jesus spoke so much about hell. So, but at the same time, we must proclaim God's love for all people that they trust Christ and know Jesus. Right? That's the tremendous message. And so John is saying here, beware of these false prophets. Right? Beware of them. Are they, they are not from God. But we are from God. That is, he says, verse 6, that is, the apostles are from God. They are the apostles who stand in direct contrast from the false teachers. So as we wind up this message tonight, in our world, there are multiplicity of ideas about spirituality that is ever increasing. And as Christians, we need to be able to give serious consideration to what we believe and the reason for such beliefs. How can you tell the difference between a true and a false teacher? Matthew chapter 7, which we read this uh, evening. Beware of false prophets. You will know the difference by there. Matthew 7. You know by their fruits. By their fruits. I mean, Jesus said this, isn't it? Watch out for these false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly as ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? If we were to use it in in a current text, I might say, well, you can't get mangoes. Do you like mangoes? Come on. I think it's the best. I think anyway, it's the best fruit. I love mangoes. Can't eat it so much here. But in Sri Lanka, when I was growing up, we had a mango tree in our backyard. We really had a beautiful mango tree. And it bore so much fruit. It was fantastic. I would just go, mango, had banana trees, mango trees, uh, coconut trees, everything in our backyard. It was, it was nice. But I've never seen a mango tree, on, uh, uh, sorry, a mango on a, on a papaya tree. Right? On a papaya tree, actually. We had papaya trees as well. That was a fantastic garden, right? <laughs> Fruits were supplied constantly into our home. <laughs> These wonderful papayas there up there. Never seen a mango on a papaya tree. It just, just doesn't work. So that you'll know your, and, and Jesus is saying, you will know these guys by their fruits. See what he says. So every, uh, I mean, uh, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the disease and so forth. So this is how you can tell the difference by their fruit. Test the spirits. If a preacher cannot affirm very clearly that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that he came from heaven, he died on the cross, and he's risen from the grave, ascended into heaven, and will return one day, if he cannot say that clearly, then he is a false prophet. Is that clear? (laughs) And if he cannot submit to Jesus... As the one who is from God, forget it. I have nothing to do with them. Uh, Albert, Albert Moller is a fantastic writer on, on current issues. He says this, of all people, Christians should be the first to see this. 
for what it is, an effort to replace the Christian faith with an empty spiritual shell. Biblical Christianity is profoundly spiritual, but Christian spirituality is an expression of Christian truth, not its substitute of Christian truth. So should you believe anything? When you hear something strange, a strange teaching or a lack of biblical understanding, I, I trust that your spiritual antennas and my antenna will pick up the signals that tell us something is not, not right. And I want to encourage us to be like these guys called the Bereans. Right? Remember what happened when Paul came to Macedonia on his second missionary journey? You know what the Bereans did? They tested Paul. How, and how did they test him? Look at what the text says. Now these Jews were more noble than others, uh, those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So when I'm preaching, whoever the preacher is, you take the scriptures and check it out. <laughs> check it out to see whether you know, we're telling you the truth from God's word. So friends, should you believe anything? Should you believe the fact that I have tickets to go to Brazil for the World Cup soccer finals? You wouldn't believe that, right? Because I can't, I can't confirm it as truth because I don't have the tickets with me. You see, the mark of believing something is, as Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. My question to you, a couple of questions tonight, are you, what kind of Jesus do you believe in tonight? What kind of Jesus? Do you believe that this Jesus is the one who came from heaven, who gave his life for us, who died on the cross, who has been raised to new life, and will come back again. That's the Jesus that we believe in. That's the Jesus that you and I serve. And so tonight, if there is anyone here who does not know this Jesus, then come and speak to us. Do you believe that Jesus has spoken of in the Bible? Do you have the Spirit of Christ in you? Can you confess tonight that Jesus is truly God and truly man and that he is your Savior? Can you do that? Can you worship this Jesus? Can you say to him tonight, Lord, I know there are so many things out there, but one thing I know, that you are God in the flesh. You love me so much, and I am yours. Have your own way, Lord, in my life. For salvation belongs to whom? The Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father.